My name's Danny, and this is From the Hips. So, Alex, yes. thank you for joining me on my first ever proper interview episode of From the Hips. Of course. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um, I guess, firstly, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, I'm really bad at talking about myself. <laughs> um, so I I live in Adelaide in South Australia. I live in the Adelaide Hills. Um, I recently bought my first place um, with my husband and um, I'm working as a fundraising manager for a um, service dog provider um, in Australia that provides hearing assistance dogs for people who are deaf. Um, I really enjoy that. I've been in that, um, industry for almost 10 years now. Um, so I'm really loving the fundraising industry and, and think that, um, I bring something kind of maybe a little bit, um, fresh and like, I guess, leftist <laughs> to the yeah. fundraising industry. Um, totally. I guess probably pretty influenced by punk, um, I suppose. Um, and yeah, I don't really know what else to say about myself. <laughs> I used to, um, sing in a band called Manhunt. Yep. Um, um I feel like that's a great introduction. Um, cause yeah. I, I was going to say when, um, Josh, who edits this podcast yeah. was asking me for a little bit about you. Um, I was like, oh, we have to make it relevant to the, the people that are joining us from. Yeah current hardcore and I was like oh sugar like how are they gonna I was like well she sings from Manhunt but also like she's just amazing and was one of the only women that I knew that was like doing a bunch of stuff but wasn't afraid to tell people like that's not for me like that's yeah. not what I want to be doing yeah. um and then also from there like I followed your journey of like when you were were kind of like help training guide dogs and for mm -hmm. me I was like oh my god that's amazing I never <laughs> I guess I just never I knew that people had to do it or did do it and yeah. I just never thought of it if that makes yeah. sense it's um, really weird like I I never really thought about it either until um my godmother her um son went blind um oh. he had a stroke and um he went blind um several years ago and um he's about 10 years younger than me and um, sort of, you know, grown up with him. Like I've known him since he was born and um, he has very limited vision, um, probably about 5 to 10% in each eye. Um, mm -hmm. And he was receiving services through um, a guide dog organisation in Victoria. Um, and so I just wanted to kind of, because I was so far away, I wanted to do something that supported them in some shape or form or showed my, my commitment to my family. So, um, yeah, that's how I kind of looked into it and, and started my journey with um, with looking after guide dogs. So, yeah. That's awesome. And yeah. was that kind of how you got into fundraising as well? Um, no, so I, I'd already been in fundraising. So I, I got to kind of combine, um, you know, some of my skills and my knowledge um, with also, you know, I suppose my desire and passion for um, volunteering and contributing to the charitable sector, like outside of my um, profession as well. So um, it just sort of lucked out that I ended up working for Guide Dogs at the same time in a fundraising role. 
Yeah. Um, and that sort of like really transformed my fundraising career as well, um, which was really fantastic. Yeah. That sounds like just a, like a, a really harmonious kind of two things that come together, right? Yeah. Probably, I don't know if it was easier or harder for it to be work and. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I yeah. think like it, it made it easy because I could use something that I was good at <laughs> to also, um, you know, maximize my passion as well, um, you know, and then sort of reignited how I felt about fundraising too. It's such a difficult industry and something that um, I felt like I was falling out of love with a little bit um, due yeah. to working for a few organizations that kind of didn't feel were doing, you know, the most ethical um job of raising funds for what they were doing so um yeah it really got to reignite that in me a little bit and it sort of became something that I lived and breathed so it it really was harmonious I think that's the perfect word for it definitely awesome and you were saying or you were touching on just before about how you think um you're bringing a fresh view to it because I guess what well, would it be right to say that you're kind of bringing things you may have learned through hardcore or punk or music mm -hmm. and like the mentalities of, and the kind of caring nature that you learnt through that you're able to apply to your job? Yeah, absolutely. Like I think that really sums it up and it's something that I've probably only started to realise in the last two or three years is that my experiences um, in punk, especially as a female in punk when you're young and you're f trying to find a way to contribute when you're not in a band. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> like I think that I, I mentioned to you a couple of weeks ago about how, like, you know, a lot of women are baking, you know, to mm -hmm. raise money um, for things that they care about and sociopolitical issues and, you know, they're um, able to do that and provide goods at shows to then, um, you know, raise money and, that's something that people are able to use as skill. Um, and it's something that I think like a lot of people sort of tease mm, that kind yeah. of contribution, but it's it can be really difficult um, because the fact is there aren't a lot of women in bands. Um, there's more and more um, as time goes on, which is so fantastic, um, but everyone's trying to find their way to contribute um, to social change. And I think that that's, such a interesting way to to do it and so um I found that I was doing that when I was living in um northern New South Wales in small towns and um and that was my way to to give something back to that scene that I felt gave me so much and then I think that sparked my um I guess something philanthropic in me um <laughs> to be able to you know that I could actually use my voice in some way to um, raise money, which is so very much needed for all not-for-profits um, to create social change um, and create services for people um, that need it in our community. So I think it definitely did um, drive my fundraising career. And I think, you know, when I say that I feel like maybe I bring a bit of a, a leftist view and, and a, a fresh view um, to the sector, it definitely is like that. I, you know, I was going to a lot of conferences throughout my 20s and finding that it was all just like white people <laughs> talking about yeah. issues, which is just the same in every space. Yeah, for sure. In our society, you know, um, 
And I have really been able to embrace how much the sector is changing as well. It might not be as radical um, as the punk scene is a lot of the time, which still isn't as radical as it should be, I think. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's... Creating diversity, but... I mean, I don't know. I Like, I would love that if it would get there, you know, both in, you know, the corporate world and... Mm-hmm. well in air quotes the real world mm-hmm. but I also think like I still can't get over how crazy like the punk and hardcore scene is for just like being exactly the same mm-hmm. but singing so loudly and yelling so loudly that they're not the same yeah it, it's just like you guys are just not you're not like practicing what you're preaching at all (laughs) absolutely and we're not um encouraging enough diversity like in in any space but definitely in punk there's still you know i there are so many people who do work so hard to create that diversity and create spaces for um you know marginalized voices to be heard but uh, it's still not enough and that sounds hypocritical coming from someone who really doesn't do anything in the punk scene at all anymore. <laughs> but um, I do, I still keeping in close touch with, um, you know, my friends in, in the punk and hardcore scene and we just still don't see enough, do we? No, I don't think we do. And it's funny because when you were saying about how you, you first started doing, you know, baking and, and that was how you were raising awareness and raising funds. I just thought how, how like, um, I don't know if you would say funny it is that women are still expected to play such a domestic role. Like, yeah. we're, like that baking and feeding the men mm-hmm. to go and fight dance with each other. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's yeah, totally. still our place. Like yeah. can you bake us a cake, love, and stand at the back? Thanks, yeah. darling. I love it. <laughs> you know, like I never thought of it before, but like there, there really hasn't been, like there's, there's not been a lot of roles kind of open up um, that isn't that back seat and like yeah. still the domesticated nice girl you know yeah absolutely I, I completely agree and I, I think you know a lot of people don't really think about it like that but it's it is amazing how that just becomes the default place to kind of land to for, for women to be able to contribute um but at the same time as well it's like it's great if it's something that you want to do um oh yeah for sure like i I do think it is a way to contribute and and if that's the way that um people would like to i think it's fantastic because there is so much great stuff um that you can do with that and then you start to see things pop up like um i can't remember what it was called but there was a project that i know was running out of melbourne a few years ago um and they had it at break the ice and a few other shows and people were donating merch to them. Oh, wow. Do you remember what that was? I don't. I think that might have been um, when I was living overseas. Okay. So yeah. I was kind of a little bit removed um, and sour about yes. life, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, for so sure. I, I, I understand. Think, yeah. I got my favourite Mad Ball hat from one oh. of those amazing shops that was being run but I can't remember what it was called it was like merch for change or well I feel like if anybody knows hit us up with it because maybe that's something that if it's not happening now let's bring it back because that sounds really awesome 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, I guess my next question though is because we've been talking about how, uh, you know, we women, non-binary people are kind of, we take the back seat and we're kind of standing at the back. But how did you, like, I want to say get up the courage because to me it seems scary as hell. But <laughs> to front a band, like, how did that come about? I mean, I guess if I at any point seemed like I had courage, um, then I was hiding it really well because <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I ever had courage. Like, I was always really scared to get in front of people. Um but there was just, I just pushed myself and, and I had, um, especially, you know, when I was in Manhunt, I had such important people encouraging me. Um, everyone was really supportive and that made it a lot easier, um, you know, to, to get up knowing that I had um, such amazing friends kind of behind me, um, supporting me to do so and, and encouraging um, our voices to be heard. And we all contributed to um, lyrics and, and music that we were writing and everything. So it never just felt like I was doing it. I knew that I was doing it with them. Um, and that sort of softens the blow a bit. And once you're going, the adrenaline's going. And so it's a lot easier, but I was definitely shit scared. Um, so <laughs> every single time, I don't think it got any easier. Um, knowing that people were looking at you, um, you know, I, I guess it, it's really no different to getting up and public speaking. And a lot of the time I might have, you know, turned my back, um, to people or sort of like hidden behind things while yeah. I was in because it is scary. I didn't talk a lot. Um, I was quite sheepish if I did talk unless I got, on a rampage, which I think I did at a Mind Snare show once about someone who had written something really quite nasty about me on the internet. And so mm -hmm. I kind of just went off and charged at it. But otherwise I really stayed quite quiet. So, yeah, I guess if it seemed like I had courage, I think um, at least I I hit it really well. <laughs> I, I always, um, almost always did a, a nervous poop before a show. I mean, yeah. I feel like that's, that's a common topic with people these days is talking yeah. about the nervous poop before, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> before serious things. So I'm so glad that you mentioned it because so many people are like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, no, that that's a real thing. It happens, guys. Thing. Yeah, the anxiety uh, really. Yeah, it yeah. Up, but um, <laughs> which is a horrible topic. But, but I, I, I mean, a really long time to play a show. Yeah, okay. Um, like for the first time, because and that was mostly because of me, because um, I was so scared and so nervous. Um, and then when we finally did, we played our first show in a dark room. Um, and everyone wore sunglasses. Oh, and my that, God, that's the best. Yeah, that softened the blow. I think that's For on sure. a YouTube video somewhere. Oh, I love um, it. Yeah, but uh, that made it a little bit easier because it felt like you were hiding. But, um, yeah, I, it definitely still, um, it was just as scary the last time as it was the first, I think. For sure. I mean, yeah. I did do a little bit of, like, refreshing about Manhunt's <laughs> elaborate career, shall yep. we call it? Yep. Um, you guys put out six releases? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, yeah. yeah we did a couple of splits. Um, we did a few tapes um, and a couple of them were fundraisers that we did. Um, we did the uh, – we did a split with 
nerve damage or we did a song on a nerve damage thing that raised money for close the gap i was gonna um, say i feel like i remember that and i think um sean allen put that one together it, yeah, it yeah. was was it a tape or was that it was yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i do remember that one yeah yeah, awesome. yeah so no i think um we were pretty steadily like proud of the work that we did and, and releases that we put out um and i think they if anything maybe just the sort of production changed a couple times um yeah though like you know not I don't think it changed for the bad from my opinion but um yeah like I don't think we changed dramatically as a band I think we just grew yeah I feel like um listening to you guys I can I I can see that it wasn't to me it wasn't like you'd gone in a different direction or anything like that Mm -hmm. um it's like just the the normal kind of growth Mm -hmm. as a band kind of works together and finds I guess, you know, with you guys were together for like three years mm-hmm. um, or actively is what yep. uh, the Facebook internet told me. Yep. <laughs> um, so I can only imagine like over that time, you can't just be the same people or sound, like mm-hmm. you'd be growing and learning. For sure. Um, but this, okay, so I'm just, it's almost a jump in topic, but it's not a jump in topic. Mm-hmm. It's more speaking to how much I was like admiring your band and um, I didn't really know you. I don't think we'd met. We probably knew who each other was or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and I was putting out the shackles. This is like, you might not even remember this, but you. Um, I was putting out the shackles release and I wanted to do a tour with you, you guys like Manhunt and Shackles. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said no, because you thought that Resist was the man. <laughs> <laughs> I... Yeah, I didn't remember that and I do not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that, that's really funny because, it, it, like, it's interesting how things change over time, isn't mm, it? The more Because so, I, I think I got to know you from that point. Yes, I didn't. Yeah, definitely from that point. But I just remember at the time I was, like, I was so upset and oh. I'm, like, I'm like emailing Mark Bolton and I'm just like, I'm like, why don't they want to do it? And he was very diplomatic and very like, I'm not sure. They must just be busy. Oh, and, so sweet. and then um, the next time I saw him in person, he was like, yeah, it was just, um, you know, Alex and that. They just didn't think that Resist was the right fit for them to do a tour with because like Resist is, you know, a major label, the man, and they're, yeah more DIY than that and I was yeah. like I was like it's just me and a computer what? I know and <laughs> like, it's so pathetic I guess to like look back at something like that because oh. and and you know like we all I suppose um you know can look back um retrospectively and think god I wish I handled that better and I like I absolutely did um not handle it the way that I would now and especially like I guess at the time you don't realize that you're being so judgmental like you think that you're being super cool about it and you're Mm. not yeah Um, and I guess from that point because yeah I reckon that was probably our first like you know you know direct interaction um yeah for sure like I got to know you from there and and I got to know Graham as well and I think that um yeah I would definitely not make the same decision again for sure like because I just think that that those distinctions and those silos that exist yeah uh, that's what kind of 
breaks everyone apart when everyone should be working together. A hundred percent, yeah. Definitely. So I love that you bring that up and I'm so sorry that I made you feel so bad. It's It's, awful. it's, It's totally okay. I think I was just like, like you're saying, you get so caught up in like, you know, you're judging people that you don't realize that you're judging and, you know, you're trying to control this image. You don't even realize that you've um, made for yourself kind of thing. Like I know that I probably was the same about a ton of things, but I just remember at the time I was like, but I want them on the tour, not because Alex sings. I want them because I like them. I can't yeah. believe this. This is the worst. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, Penny, right. if you asked me today, <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> Thank you. Um, now, in in another um, throwback to ages ago, there was an incident that I want to bring up that I think was one of the first times we maybe talked a bit more and it was you were like I want to say viciously bullied for playing a show and something had happened and you ended up having to borrow your friend's skirt and people were absolutely horrible um yeah so that was actually the same show that I was just talking about um where I went on a tirade about um Mm. what someone had written about me and um it's really funny because like I was what people would consider, you know, quite a tomboy. And I think I've probably grown out of that a little bit. I still have, you know, some tomboyish traits, I suppose. Um, and I don't really, you know, I don't love that expression anymore, but yeah, I used to be a lot more of a tomboy and, and, you know, like my friends, if I would wear something, I suppose, quote unquote, girlier, Mm -hmm. um you know they would sort of um ingest like you know make a couple comments or whatever but um yeah I did definitely um after that (laughs) couple couple comments about how um tight the skirt was my friend that I borrowed it off um was a lot smaller than me um and always has been um but also that I I wasn't fitting the like a you know, it, I wasn't wearing appropriate attire to be singing in a band, <laughs> um, yeah. which I think mm. is really ridiculous. Like I, yeah. I, I think that's pathetic because I think people could wear or, or not wear whatever they want as long as it's respectful to others and doesn't make people uncomfortable in a yeah. bad way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's really quite interesting and, and like I think that's evolved a little bit over time and, um, women are embraced to wear what they want now. Like you, you can probably, you can dress how you want, whether that be feminine or not feminine without being commented on potentially um, these days at shows. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely did have a couple negative comments thrown my way. Um, but I don't get it. You know, I, I don't let them get me down too much. That's good, though. Like, um, I was probably a bit more sensitive then than I am now as well. Yeah, I think for me it was just like it was just such a standout of like a clear example of exactly what you were saying because you weren't fitting what people had in their mind yeah. that a woman fronting a band needed to be. Yeah. They all that they could do was throw hate, like, mm-hmm. which Absolutely. is just so, yeah, it's just, that's why I laughed because what else can you do? Like, it's just now 
being like time in between it or you can be like is like wow what are people even thinking yeah <laughs> absolutely uh, and as time goes on you don't care about stuff as much definitely but um I don't reckon I've thought about that again since that moment so um I appreciate you bringing it up and making me reflect on that that's really cool yeah it was just it was one of the things I, I was like okay what am I what are my points that I remember were like big things but I guess like some other stuff like I don't want to make it out like we're just here to rag on it all no no um what what do you think like do you have favorite things about when you were um super involved in like hardcore and punk do you have like favorite things that you achieved or that you like shows you saw or anything yeah for sure I think um definitely like I, I think that would all um, the good things totally outweigh the bad. Like, and, and yeah, I definitely don't want to seem like I'm at all ragging on anyone or anything. Um, cause I, I'm definitely not. And I know you're not either. You know, it's, it's important to reflect on like, I guess, challenging things that happened and how you, um, dealt with it and how you approached it and, and how you, um, developed from that too. Um, and I think, of all of the positive things, probably probably one really big standout would be um, like, and this sounds really cheesy, but how many incredible friends I made worldwide. Like I think that is an amazing thing that punk does because I find like in, again, the, the quote-unquote quote real world, when you're talking with people, whether it be at work or, you know, in a, a – um, maybe a more conservative space um, and you're talking about um, an experience or, or someone that you know that lives overseas or something and they're like, oh, but how do you know that person? Like did you just talk to them on the internet or did you meet them on a forum or something? I'm like, no, 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 you meet them through punk and people are like, what does that even mean, you know? Yep. What does it mean to just meet someone through punk? But I think um, it's one of those really in- incredibly like it can be divisive at times but for the most part it's um a very embracing and connecting um community and I still have so many beautiful friends that um I've met from around the world in different situations um that I would never ever have met people from those parts of the world if it wasn't for punk and I just think that is one of the coolest things that I get to have for the rest of my life um is all these these beautiful people that um you know connected at one point in their lives um over a love for the same progressive um or radical politics or music um yeah that's that's probably my standout um I mean there's a lot of really amazing moments and events that I guess have occurred um, throughout my my time and my involvement um, in the scene. But, yeah, I think the biggest thing that I take away from it is definitely the people that I've met, as, yeah, cheesy as that sounds. <laughs> I don't think it's cheesy at all, at all because I think that's something that I'm able these days as well to reflect on is that it's really hard to meet people that have that same passion and depth of I guess thinking about things that are outside of just ourselves um I've found it quite hard to to make those kind of connections that 
has happened through punk um, and hardcore for me as well, which is, it's kind of, I think to anyone else might sound a little bit crazy that mm. music can have such a large link, but no, I totally get what you're saying with that one. Yeah. That, yeah, I think it's really cool as well. And, like, I mean, we wouldn't be doing this, right? No, not <laughs> at all. Doing this, we wouldn't know what we know about each other and we wouldn't be yep. um, encouraging each other to be involved in stuff like this. So, yeah. For sure. It's, it's really definitely, cool. that's, yeah, I'm with you. That's the biggest positive takeaway. Um, okay, so we'll start to wrap it up, I guess. <laughs> but um, I have just some final questions that I think I'm gonna I'm gonna bring in to ask everyone so I guess because we're talking about you know we've we've spoken about that you were heavily involved in punk and hardcore and then you kind of like not moved on but you know you've grown outside of that what music do you find that you listen to most these days um geez I don't know I listen to a lot of pop (laughs) yeah I think I really like to sing and dance while I yes yes (laughs) (laughs) or when I'm in the shower or whatever and I like set up my bluetooth speaker and I just I don't know I just love pop and yep I I don't know you have fun with pop like it's easy to me like because I'm the same and people are like what do you mean pop and I'm like it's so easy have you ever just listened to like Beyonce on repeat for five months because I have Mm -hmm. like it just yeah I do like to sing and dance and you don't have to I don't know it just makes you feel good right yeah it makes you feel so good and I think maybe when I was younger like I I probably thought I was too cool to (laughs) you know listen to something so basic or something so basic but um I love it like yeah I think pop music is cool um I I don't know I I like a bit of like rap or hip-hop and um maybe a bit of country and like older music and stuff but um yeah, I just I love driving around. Like my husband and I, we went on a um, road trip for our honeymoon last year, and we just listened to pop music the whole time. I think <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was so good. And even like when we were watching TV last night, there was like you know an artist that ha- was like saying one of the songs that we loved um, when we were driving around. And yeah, like, I still just like danced in the living room while it was on. It was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Do you have like? Um, I'm going to call it, and I hate this term, a guilty pleasure hardcore album. Um, it would probably be, yeah, that is a really tough one. I would say something that I can listen to that I still really, really love to listen to would be um, uh, like any hate breed album. <laughs> <laughs> awesome I don't, I don't i don't know if it's a guilty pleasure oh. um, I know what you mean, though. Like, yeah it's yeah. like something to, like i guess thing. yeah to me it's like oh i'm gonna put on my hardcore music now and it like yeah. you find you gravitate to the same artist or album absolutely definitely um, well something that like it's weird like because like richard my husband still like listens to a bit of well he still listens to like a lot of punk um yeah and like we discovered 
um, that band Candy, and that has like become one of our regular favorites. It's so, they're so good. Have you listened to them? No, I have no idea. I'm gonna oh, have to look them up. Amazing. They're so good. Yep. Um, I can't even remember what the record is called, but we listen to that a bunch. Um, yeah, because they're they're really really good, and I guess that's not really a guilty pleasure. It's just like. No, it's just something, yeah. It's sort of, like, I mean, they're kind of hardcore, like, mosh sort of, you know, like. Yeah, for sure. The heavier side of hardcore, but they're awesome. They're really good. You'd probably really like them. (laughs) I I have to um, do a long drive tomorrow, so I will add that to the playlist. Oh, it's one of those albums you could definitely just, like, drive to the whole thing. It's really good. So definitely put put it on. I can't wait. Okay, and I think. Obviously, this is my trial first interview episode, but I think my final question to everyone is going to be, and I'll give it to you now, who do you think that we should talk to? Is there someone or anyone that you can think of that you think would be interesting? Oh, I love that. I think that's a really good question. Um, It's really hard. I am really bad with, like, um, my memory recall of like (laughs) names and stuff but um, that's okay if I was gonna suggest anyone to talk to it would be to people who have probably never jumped on a podcast or never been interviewed for a zine or never you know I think um yeah people who may not have never been um given an opportunity to to I guess speak about their experiences in punk or what their life is outside of punk or, um, you know, how they have felt the scene in Australia has impacted them um, mm. you know, over the years and now. And I think, um, you know, look for people who are, um, who have just, whether they've been someone that's helped someone at a show or whether they've been someone that has helped book a, book a tour and um, they've not received any support or anything for it because I think there's a lot of people who are overlooked um, and have been overlooked for years and I, I, I sort of feel like that's what you doing this podcast is about, is about the people who have made things happen and have never been able to um, talk about what their experiences have been like. So, um, yeah, my my recommendation would be to talk to anyone that you um, can that has never been able to um, talk about their experiences before. Yeah, definitely. That that's. I'm glad to hear it because that's kind of what I'm hoping to do. So yeah, um, and I sort of got that vibe too. So I think that's, yeah. I think that's really cool. It's exciting because, you know, I think also with having that be a question that I'm now going to ask everyone, hopefully, you know, there could be people that I may not have thought of to begin with, you know, because everyone has their own experience. But in that, everyone has their own people that um, stand out for them as people that they'd love to hear from or that they think deserve a chance to, to speak. And I guess, like, that's what I'm... I'm finding the people that I've always wanted to hear from to start with, but I want to mm-hmm. like, it's not, it's not just about me really. <laughs> yeah, no, but I think it, it's important that you get to use the platform to like, you know, make this what, what you want and what your vision is as well. Um, you know, and don't be afraid to do that. I, I don't think that's, you know, um, it is about you as well. Like, I think it's important that you get to enjoy this. 
um, experience. So, so pick people that you want too. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you for being my first guest. And also um, thank you for lending your voice to the podcast. Like you're essentially our theme song. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. I'm um, very blessed. And I know that um, everyone else in the band will be as well. Um, They will feel very appreciative of it. And thank you for, um, yeah, valuing me um, and um, hearing me out. I appreciate it. Subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe to um, our Instagram. Send me a message. Listen wherever you listen. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Cold Snap Records for producing this for me because I'm very hopeless at technology. And I will talk to you guys next time. You are